Good morning. I'm doing the reading this morning is from John chapter 9, verses 35 to 41. I'm reading from the uh, NLT version. So earlier in chapter 9, Jesus had healed a man born blind, and the Pharisees then threw the healed man out of the synagogue. So John 9 from verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Thanks, Amy. All right, can you hear me now? Is this all, all good? Sorry about my microphone before. And thanks, Amy. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, it's different, but it's, it's going well, I believe. Uh, tech guys, are we, are we going well? We've got thumbs up all over the place, so um, we're glad. We've been uh, seeing a few photos come through. Um, it's great to have any pets along with us as well. You can have your pets at church today. It's fantastic. Um, so it's really good. <clears throat> um, I want to reassure you at this time that uh, as, we, as we speak, <laughs> we got the thumbs up in the front face, that's not as good. Um, I want to reassure you at these times that um, as we lead towards Jesus, we're going we're gonna to keep our, uh, towards Easter, we're going to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. That's our main sort of stay of, the, of the, the time being, is that through this uncertain time that we keep our eyes focused solely on Jesus. So as we start a new series, we're going we're gonna to start a series called New Life, a series that points to life in Jesus, encountering Jesus and bring, getting new life through Jesus. Because Jesus has given us new life. Through his death and his resurrection, we know that our sins have been taken upon him on the cross and we live in freedom because of it. We have new life. Our freedom right now might look a little different as we isolate, as we um, make sure our distances are kept, as we do elbow taps and fake high fives, but, but we are free nonetheless. And as we move through this COVID-19 pandemic, we're going to learn some things. We're going to get some things right. We're going to make some mistakes. But at the heart of it all, my hope is that we're able to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and continue to be a blessing for the communities that we live. More now than ever, our communities need people of Jesus blessing them. So in the coming weeks, we're going to explore... Uh, what are, some people who have encountered Jesus. Because often we talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus and that encounter and how the Lord's impact us through that, that encounter. But, but we, we need to also take into consideration the people that Jesus encountered on earth as he went through life. He transformed lives while he was walking around on earth. He took time and he stopped and he met people where they were at. 
and he impacted them in massive ways. But he didn't leave it at that. We find many times that Jesus didn't, just didn't do a miracle just to, to, to heal someone or to do something fantastic and, and, and big up his own reputation, make a name for himself here on earth. Rather, he did it to utilize a teaching point to point people to the kingdom of God. He was a signpost as such to salvation. He was a signpost to his father. So as we lead towards the, our Easter weekend, uh, we're going to look at these, this new life that we can find in the person of Jesus. So let me pray, and we'll get into the text. Our God, we thank you so much that we can be together this morning, that wherever we are, that you join us together through your Spirit. And Lord, help us today to understand your Word and how we can find new life in you. That as we talk about and as we hear about the man born blind, now seeing, we ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word now. Amen. Amy read to us the, the, uh, that um, end part of the book of uh, chapter 9 of John. But if we go back to the very start of the book of John in chapter 1, he starts his gospel by equating Jesus to the word, the living, life-giving word, the word who was God, uh, who was with God and who was God. John, from the start of his gospel, gives us every indication who he believes Jesus to be. And when we find an encounter with Jesus in John's gospel, we end up being pointed back to this good news that is the word living and active in our world. And today we're going to explore one of the most incredible uh, miracles that Jesus performs. You see, in today's story, Jesus points people to the saving love of God. He's a sign that brings light, into light out of the darkness. At the time that, that um, Jesus is living, the, the Jewish people are looking for a sign. They're looking for a sign, and in front of them, this sign was, to us, 2,000 years later, seems, seems pretty obvious. This was the Messiah. This was the one that they were looking for. But they sort of seemed to miss the sign. Now, I found a few signs that seemed obvious, and they looked pretty funny. Um, I don't know if you... Oh, it's not up the back there. It'll be on your screens now. That's where it is. Um, do not sit on the fence. Um, if you're sitting on that fence, you've got a problem anyway. <laughs> um, if we have it, it's in stock. That's a pretty... Um, good sign for, for our time even now. Yeah, if we have it, it's, if it's in stock, we have it. Um, and uh, uh, the obvious one of sand, um, it's important that uh, that sign was put there so that everyone understands that there is sand right where that sign is. Some of the signs that we have in our world are pretty obvious, but sometimes they're missed. Sometimes we just don't see the sign. Sometimes we pass the sign by and don't give it a thought. Or we look at it with intrigue and we don't do anything about it. Or maybe we'll walk straight past the sign and, or we turn our back on the sign and we don't want to do anything about it. And now I'm not talking just about our signs on the road now, am I? I'm talking about our everyday walk with Jesus because I have no doubt that, <clears throat> that Jesus is active in every life of all of us who are watching, who are engaging with this. And he longs for us to join in his mission on earth like we've talked about. 
But maybe sometimes we just miss that sign. We miss Jesus in our everyday life. So this morning as we move into the text of John chapter 9, we read about blindness, darkness and light. We're reminded of the light that Jesus is right in chapter 1. Right when John begins his, his, uh, his chapter. At the start of John chapter 1 in verse 4 it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. From the very beginning of the gospel, we're pointed to the light that Jesus brings to us. Because in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Thinking about the blind man, the man, he was born blind. Thinking about what it was like for him. Talk about light. But he would never have understood what light really is. He's never seen colours. He's never seen the smile of his mother. He's never seen a rainbow. Light was not part of this man's vocabulary or psyche. And the absence of light, by definition, is darkness. This man was born in darkness. It's all he's known. No one had ever healed a man born, in, uh, um, born blind. But this is what Jesus did. And he showed his power to be able to bring light into the dark places. Can you imagine the transformation? The joy that couldn't be expressed when light comes into the darkness. I wonder how we go at allowing Jesus to take the darkness away from our lives. We all have dark places. We all have places in our lives that maybe we're not happy with. Maybe we're ashamed of. Maybe it's anger, greed, deceit. Maybe struggles with power, maybe envy. Whatever it might be, Jesus can take away that dark place and restore it with his light. A spiritual light that Jesus brings to us that transforms us physically as well. The spiritual bleeds into the physical. So let's explore a little bit of this this story. But to explore what Jesus is doing with light and darkness here, we almost need to step back another couple of chapters from chapter 9 into chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to open it up and see how you go in in following through. Jesus, in chapter 7, goes to the Feast of Tabernacles. And each night at the Feast of Tabernacles, there were these huge candles, massive candles, torches that were high as the temple walls. And they were lit by the holy men, the religious men. And the holy men then performed torch dances. And they would have these um, dances every night of the festival. I'm thinking like Crown Casino, you know, the big pillars that go boom at, uh, at, on the hour or every, every whatever it is, every hour. And they make these massive big fireballs and you sit around going, oh, wow, that's really... I'm thinking that sort of thing. Um, but these, these religious men would dance around and, and create just this big show... Of, of light. They were so spectacular that the Jewish sages of the time would talk about the rejoicing would ha- that would happen if you got to be a part of that show. If you hadn't seen it, they would say, then you wouldn't know what rejoicing was. The light was so important to them. And in this context, we move into chapter 8 of John's Gospel, 
And verse 12 says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's John 8, chapter 12, uh, John chapter 8, verse 12. With the imagery of these massive candles in the darkness and the festivity that revolved around this light for the Jews, Jesus announces, well, you know, the light that you need isn't in these candles, it's actually me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. Rather, you will have the light of life. Can you imagine hearing that? You have your spiritual leaders dancing their hearts out around some massive candles, in some way saying the Messiah is still to come, the light is still coming. Only to have Jesus, who's been doing some pretty amazing, hard-hitting things, saying some pretty um, sort of uh, important words. And then he says that, I am the light of the world. He's pretty clear in his words, isn't he? He was the light, and those who choose not to follow, therefore, are in spiritual darkness. They don't see that light. Consequently, that didn't make the religious leaders all that happy. He also states in chapter 858, he says, Before Abraham was born, I, I am. These, these words that Jesus is choosing is pointing him, the signposts are pointing straight to the fact of who he is. That he is God here on earth. So those who are watching, those who are sussing him out still, the religious leaders, it sort of tipped them over the edge that, that Jesus would say this. So Jesus, in leading up to this incredible healing of the blind man, has started to pave the way for us to understand that there's this big gap between those who are in the light and those who dance around the light as such. And the religious leaders, well, they tried to stone him. They didn't want that message getting out because it contradicted their message. So Jesus, in the chapters leading up to this incredible healing, helped us to understand the reality of who he was and the ability to bring light into the darkness. So now Jesus and his followers, they leave the temple, they leave the festival, and they encounter the blind man who's never known light. He didn't know it. So we can only assume that he was sitting on the ground somewhere begging. We can assume that he would have heard the crowds coming. We could have assumed that he would have understood that there was this man that had been doing amazing miracles around. And he's got this, this group that are coming past him. And the disciples ask Jesus a question, whether it's in earshot or not, I'm not sure. But they ask in verse 2 of chapter 9, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? It's kind of an insensitive sort of question, isn't it? It's like, he's not deaf, he's blind. <laughs> but we can't blame them. The Jews had this understanding of, of, um, of sort of defects like blindness were the cause of hereditary issues. So they, they assumed that if your, if your grandfather was no good, that it would be brought down onto your, uh, some way onto your father and onto you. It would come back to haunt you in the generations as such. And Jesus, he, he has nothing of it. So in verse 3, he says this, Neither this man or his parents sinned, Jesus said. He cut it down. It's not about that. And he says, there's a reason that this has happened. And it's so the works of God might be displayed in this man. In essence, Jesus is saying, I'm not getting involved in what you're talking about. Because it's not healthy. 
Neither parents have sinned. This man's born blind, and you're going to find out why. Because it's going to point you to me. And in verse 4 and 5, it says, As long as it is day, this is Jesus, he, as long as it, is, as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, darkness is coming, where no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus continues to input this idea of light and darkness to point out who he really is. And as we move further into John's gospel, it's becoming more and more evident that Jesus is proclaiming his own deity. He is God on earth. It's becoming a little bit like this picture. It's going to come up in a second. Yep, next one, thanks. All the signs are pointing in the one direction. They're all pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the word that John began with. Jesus was the word that was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the word that is God. So with this background, people are already a little on the edge. Jesus has already been threatened by stoning, and he's calling himself the light of the world. Just after the big candle dances and all that's been going on, Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. So Jesus comes to this man born blind after declaring himself the light of the world. I wonder whether he would have heard that. The man didn't have all the luxuries that everyone else had. He was in darkness. He was reliant on other people to get into places. He was destined to be a beggar. There was nothing else he could do. But he hears this conversation going on. I can imagine that anyway. Whether he does or not, I'm not sure. But he hears this word. Imagine hearing that. I am the light of the world. You don't know light and you hear, I am the light of the world. And you can imagine the surprise that happened when, when that, that, the crowd start gathering around him. And, and he hears someone kneel down in front of him. He knew someone was there. He knew it was significant because the crowds were there. And he hears the man in front of him gather up some saliva in his mouth and, and spit onto the ground. Perhaps he was fearful, what is going on here? <laughs> Someone's spitting at me. Maybe he's used to that. Yet this man grabs something from in front of him and starts rubbing it together in his hands. And then all of a sudden, he feels the hands of a man put this mud on his eyes, damp clay to his eyes, and he gets told, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I wonder how he felt at that stage. Perhaps he was worried. Perhaps he felt a little bit foolish. He would have known by this stage that there were plenty of people watching. There were crowds gathering around. And with every step on the way to the pool of Siloam, I'm sure he felt the, the, the heat of the eyes that are watching Maybe he was scared, maybe he was nervous, maybe he just thought he was going to be the butt of another joke. But maybe there was something in there that remembered him hearing, I am the light of the world. What if it works? So he goes to the pool and he washes. He washes the mud off his eyes and for the first time in his life, he sees light. His eyes are opened 
Have you ever seen the, the videos of, of people that are born colorblind and they get the, the, the glasses? Have you seen those videos? And all of a sudden, it's sort of that, that step back sort of thing. I can imagine that this man was feeling that, but in so much more. First time he's able to see the faces of people. For the first time, he's able to uh, look at the colours and the trees and the beauty of God's creation. It's a marvel what happened. You can imagine the whispers and the murmurs of the people, the crowd around him. Who is this man, Jesus, that he can make the blind see? Who is this man that can perform these miracles? And the blind man... He doesn't do anything more, but he goes off. He shares his joy and his new life. What a miracle. Jesus brought this man, he's the light of the world that brought this man from darkness to light. But the story doesn't stop there. The story keeps going. When people encounter Jesus, something happens, doesn't it? Life changes. The man's world is, is turned upside down. He's no longer an outcast of society. No longer does he need to beg to live. He can now work. He can now see. He's abled. His life is changed. But it wasn't just his physical life that was changed. After all the, the blindness um, is gone, the religious leaders, they bring him in for questioning. They do it a couple of times. They bring his parents in as well. See, Jesus did something he did a couple of times. He healed on the Sabbath. He was a rule breaker, our Jesus, wasn't he? But now he was threatening the power of the, of, of the authorities. And I love the, the, what the once blind man says to these leaders in verse 31 of chapter 9. He says this. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the, to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the, uh, the eyes of uh, a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This man's life has changed physically, but now spiritually he's found, his, his sight has led him to the light of Jesus. His eyes have now been opened to Jesus and no religious leader could tell him any differently. Regardless of how many times they brought him towards, uh, into the, 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 the legal spaces, this man was, no, Jesus is different. The end of chapter, the chapter where uh, Amy read for us this morning, verse 35, is this movie interaction then that happens between the once blind man and Jesus. I'll read it out, this interaction out. Jesus says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man says, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I can believe in him. And Jesus says, you've seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. And the blind man says, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. So you might say, how could you not believe when you have such an incredible physical transformation? But when light comes out of darkness... We can only believe that it is the one who is light that brings it. I love the final response of this once blind man in verse 38. It says, he worshipped him. Our interaction with Jesus changes us and it leads us to worship him. It leads us to bring glory to him, like we talked about about three or four weeks ago, to bring glory to God in every single way. That's our worship. 
not just on a Sunday, but through our week, wherever you might be, to bring glory to God. And the interaction with, that we have with Jesus, it changes us and leads us to worship. You know, Easter is a time where we reiterate this exact message again and again. Jesus' death reminds us that we are sinners saved by grace. We're changed and we're transformed by it. And this message cannot be ignored. We must be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. We no longer need to live in darkness. Rather, we now live in the light of freedom. We live as changed people, as transformed people. And our eyes are opened to the light of Jesus in his resurrection. We start to see things differently. We go from having no sight to having full sight. And we start to see our world differently, as if we're seeing the world through Jesus' lens. And in seeing the resurrected Jesus, we're drawn to our worship of him. How can we not be led to worship when our eyes are opened to Jesus? I love the image from Luke 19, verse 40, where Jesus is asked to quieten his disciples down and say, say, lay their cloaks on the ground for Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem. We'll speak about that in a couple of weeks. And he says, you know, even if I hush them down, even if they're quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. Because when our eyes are open to Jesus, nothing can stop our worship. The religious rulers of the day, they couldn't stop this formerly blind man from seeing and worshipping him. The cross couldn't stop the disciples from meeting together and worshipping him, especially after they saw Jesus. That's how this Christian movement started. And when our eyes are open to the saving grace that comes from Jesus Christ, it can only lead us to worship, to bringing glory to God in all things. So as we head into a time where we're unable to be physically together, you're in your homes, you're in other people's homes, wherever you might be now. We're not able to run events as such. We're not able to run the programs that we would normally run. But it doesn't mean we stop worshipping. We can still worship together as we've been this morning. We can still worship when we self-isolate or when we're at work in our workplaces keeping our distances. We can still worship and we're going to try and work out as a church ways that we can still connect, as in we're going to do prayer on Wednesday, Wednesday at 1.30. We're going to try and continue to connect in worship, but in your homes, in your family units, in little groups, wherever you may meet, whoever you feel comfortable being with, we want you to worship. It may not mean that you all sing songs, but it might mean you pray or you share stories. It might mean you, you get used to social media. It's something that I'm trying to work out. And Jordan, you've been a great help for me. I keep on asking Jordan all these questions about the social media, poor guy. Um, <laughs> but, but using social media to share the stories of how you're blessing others. Use our community um, Facebook page to, to say, hey, this is how I've been blessed, or this is how I'm blessing others in this time. This is how we're worshipping. This is what it looks like to worship for us at the moment. Because as we move towards Easter, we want to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, our hearts open to God and his amazing grace. It's worth our worship. I'm going to invite the band up um, and they're going to play one last song. But while they come up, I just want to ask a few questions. 
that you can talk over for lunch. Um, I didn't get this on a slide, but you might want to um, jot some of these questions down. And then as you think about it, you can um, uh, talk over lunch or whatever you might do. I want you to, to maybe discuss how you feel, how you would feel, or you think you would feel, if you had the opportunity to see for the first time, like the blind man. Another question, why do you think Jesus spat on the ground and rubbed clay in the blind man's eyes? Couldn't he have just healed him? Another question, why were the Pharisees so intent on questioning the blind man? You might want to read the rest of chapter 9, we didn't read it all. But what did they fear? And another question might be, the healed man went from darkness to light. It was physical and it's spiritual. Maybe you want to discuss in your groups, in your family units, an experience or time where Jesus was able to overcome darkness in your life. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you so much that Jesus, you pointed people in your life straight to God, straight to yourself as God, that you are the light of the world that you bring light from darkness. I just want to pray this morning that if anyone is feeling a bit of darkness in this uncertain time, that they may reach out to you. They may hold on to the hope that you are the light of the world. And Lord, if there's anyone that may be listening and watching that doesn't know that hope, may they ask this morning to find it through you. May they seek you, God, Jesus, the light of this world. Amen. Thanks, team.